Welcome to The Gods We Belong To, an urban fantasy noir podcast. The Gods We Belong To tells one continuous story in order, and it's important to start at the beginning. So, first timers, it's back to episode one for you. Now, my faithful friends, take a beat, take a breath, and let's check in with Alex. Chapter 3 I weaved through early afternoon traffic in the car Hermes provided. A red Maserati convertible. Not exactly subtle, but I'm not undercover, so I'm not complaining. I follow Hermes' directions to the bungalow. It's a cozy little craftsman-style place at the foot of the Hollywood Hills. Basically a standalone one-bedroom apartment. All the space I need. And what the place lacks in square footage... <laughs> It more than makes up for in furnishings and appointments. A plush queen bed, an enormous flat screen, and couches more comfortable than most beds I've slept on, not to mention a cavernous fridge stocked to the gills. On the coffee table between the main couch and the TV, I find a large canister. Twisting the lid, I'm met with the instantly recognizable scent of Odin's special smoking blend, a potent mixture that could take the edge off the apocalypse. The canister is full of it. There's also a pipe on the table, a large Sherlock-style, blown glass in the shape of two interlocking ravens. Under the pipe is a note. Alex, thought this might improve your mood. Good luck. Oh. He has his moments, great-granddad. Sure, he has other moments, bloodier moments, but the less said about those, the better. My first impulse is to pack the pipe and let Odin's blend work its magic. But I'm supposed to meet up with Arissa Mars, who, never mind being Ares' daughter, is also a cop. Then later tonight I'm joining Hermes, Athena, and Artemis in some sort of secret cabal even Zeus doesn't seem to know about, so... Maybe profound intoxication is not the way to go. Yet. Instead, I toss my bag on the bed and head off to meet Detective War. The main booking area at LAPD Hollywood Division is a confusion of civilians, cops, and collars, their paths twisting, turning, and crossing. It takes patience and tenacity just to reach the front desk. The chaos of sound is constant, blurring into white noise. I lean towards the woman behind the desk and do my best to cut through the din without shouting at her. Hi! I'm here to see Detective Mars! What about? She fires back, no nonsense. The Xander Delos case, she's expecting me. Good for you! What's your name? Cassander. Alex Cassander. Sit tight, Mr. Cassidy. She should turn up. Before I can correct her or get a time frame on should turn up, I'm elbowed out of the way by a stocky detective with slicked back dark hair and a matching porn stash escorting a perp. 
The guy he's holding is wiry, pupils like pinpricks, sweating bullets from who knows what running through his veins. Whoever he is, they don't treat him like much of a threat. His wrists are cuffed in front, and the stocky one handling him keeps a pretty loose grip. Big mistake. Never underestimate a junkie. In a sudden violent spasm, he breaks free and grabs Pornstash's sidearm. Before I know it, this twitchy son of a bitch is waving the gun around, wrists still cuffed together with all kinds of bad ideas behind his eyes. This is where a braver person, a better person, would spring into action, disarming the tweaked out gunman and saving the day. Me? Honestly, my first thought is, we're in a room full of cops. Shouldn't they handle this? And fortunately for all of us, one of them does. I sense her before I see her, like a crackle of electricity in the air. The frantic escapee is wheeling back and forth, desperate, unfocused. Suddenly, out of a crowd of cops, she springs towards him like a panther, her aura a deep, radiant crimson. This must be Arissa Mars. One blindingly fast kick and the gun goes flying. The next blow connects with the former gunman's temple, sends him spinning into the front desk hard. She kicks the back of one knee and he drops. In an instant she's on him, pinning him against the desk, her arm under his chin. Once the last bit of fight's gone out of him, she cuffs the perp, hands behind the back, yanks the stunned half-wit to his feet and pushes him towards the slack-jawed detective porn stash. Lose something, DeFranco? She jabs, smiling. Hey, don't forget your gun. I think it landed somewhere near the vending machine. I know you know where that is. Fuck you, Mars. DeFranco shoots her a dim, hostile look as he gets a solid hold on the prisoner. Another officer walks over and hands DeFranco his gun. He angrily holsters it and storms off, shoving the failed escapee in the direction of the holding cells. I'm doing my best not to stare too hard at the victorious Amazon who just put a room full of her fellow cops to shame. Arissa Mars is tall, about 5 foot 11, athletic, black hair with a white streak in it and deep, dark eyes. I find myself wondering why a woman in uniform is such a ruthless turn-on given my lifelong problem with authority figures. I'm already a few seconds into some seriously inappropriate thoughts when I feel a hand on my shoulder. It's the officer from the front desk. She leans in close. You wanted Detective Mars? Well, there she is. Yeah, no shit. I take a deep breath and quiet those inappropriate thoughts, or try to at any rate. <laughs> Easier said than done. Detective Mars, I step forward. I'm Alex Cassander. I think you're expecting me. She looks me over quickly, sizing me up. Arissa Mars, she says, extending a hand. Apparently, I'm your babysitter. Well, not exactly how I'd put it. We shake. Firm grip. Very firm. Oh? She replies, holding on to my hand. I suppose you think I'm your sidekick? Or maybe your assistant? Wow, okay. I pull my hand free, with some effort. I feel like we're getting off on the wrong foot here. Are, are you hungry? I'm hungry. I could eat. There we go. How do you feel about spicy? Good, she raises an eyebrow, almost cracks a smile. Glad to hear it. I know a place. 
I used to know places all over LA, most of them specializing in the fiery cuisines of China's Sichuan and Yunnan provinces. But it's been a while. Restaurants close, things change. Lucky us, not Dragon 168. Nestled in an unlikely strip mall, this five-table hole-in-the-wall serves up home-style Szechuan guaranteed to make your scalp sweat. In no time flat, Arissa Mars and I are deep into a table full of dandan noodles, wontons in hot oil, and crispy fried chicken covered in chilies. Chopsticks clack, lips smack, and all hostility is quickly forgotten. How did you find this place, she asks, when there's finally a lull in the feeding frenzy. Hidden is kinda my thing. I found hidden things and people for a living. That is, before I fell in with... Well, you know. Yeah, what got you tangled up in this mess? Family. Same as you. Which family? Who's your daddy? She teases. I chuckle. She's sharp. Funny. Damn it. Just the facts, Alex. Eyes on the road. I have no idea who my daddy was. Adopted. But my great-grandfather is Odin. I leave out the Loki part. For now. Yeah, Uncle Hermes mentioned you worked for him. He must be a handful. Yeah, he can be... complicated. But actually, mostly, he's alright. Saved my life a time or two. That's more than I can say for my father. Oh, you two not close? Close? She arches an eyebrow and keeps it arched even as she deftly chopsticks a bundle of noodles into her mouth. So that's a no? Well, she says, finally lowering her eyebrow after several seconds of enthusiastic chewing. It's not like he was around when I was a kid. Mom told me my father was a soldier killed in action. That's all she'd say. By the time I hit 13, that story started to sound pretty thin. I would have pushed harder, but that was when we got Mom's diagnosis, and then it was all treatments and doctors and helplessness. I'm sorry, I offer, underwhelmingly. I did ask her about him, my father, one last time near the end. She just shook her head and kept saying, Be better, honey. You be better than him. For years, I had no idea what she meant. When did you find out? Nineteenth birthday. She forces a smile and slurps another mouthful of noodles. Hell of a present. How'd it happen? I query. He just showed up. Like, knock, knock, hey, I'm your dad, and guess what? I'm also the god of war? Not exactly, but not far off. I was out drinking with some friends, you know, celebrating. The club was crowded, stuffy, I needed some air. I remember noticing the two guys who followed me outside, but I was pretty drunk and we were right in front of the club, a few feet from the bouncers, so I didn't give it much thought. But then the bouncer ducks inside for a second and next thing I know, these assholes grab me and make for the alley. Now, they only got that far because, like I said, you were drunk. I, I got it. Yeah, she smirks. Anyway, once reality kicks in, I let loose and really lay into these two. I mean, really. Like several broken bones, a fair amount of screaming. 
you get the idea. So I turned to head back into the club, and there he is at the end of the alley, leaning against the wall, casually smoking a cigarette. Said he'd enjoyed watching me work. He called me by my name, told me things about myself, about my mother, that no one else could have or should have known. Then he just spilled the beans. The dad beans or the god beans? Both, in like one sentence. Damn. I exclaimed before popping a wonton. So much for easing you in. Right? I mean, the dad part was plenty, sure, it sounded like a load of shit, but the things he knew, it was undeniable. The whole God reveal was another story. You were... incredulous? <laughs> Putting it fucking mildly. How'd Odin make you believe? Froze time in a bar for everyone but us. Then he turned two dudes into birds. That pretty much did the trick. See? That's a totally cool and convincing play, she gestures emphatically. That would have worked just fine, but not Ares. Oh no. He decides to prove his divinity by driving everyone in the club into a murderous frenzy. Five people were dead by the time he felt he'd made his point, including one of my friends. I've seen violence, some pretty scary shit, but nothing like that. As she talks, Orissa slips into a distant thousand-yard stare. I tried to shut my eyes, but the sound was worse. Wild animal shrieks and wet, tearing, crunching noises. I'll never forget it. That's horrible. But the worst part... Wait, that's not the worst part? No. She shuts her eyes. The worst is that some part of me liked it. Her eyes open, hints of sadness and shame. No, she insisted, not liked. But Ares' presence, his power, stirred something dark in me. Look, I, I've always had a TNT temper and a quarter-inch fuse, but this was a whole other level. It was like I had a furnace in my chest, took all the inebriated effort I could manage to force that fire down. I think if I hadn't fought that hard, if I'd just let it take me, I would have joined in, probably killed everyone in that place. And I think that's exactly what Ares wanted. He wanted to show me that I'm his daughter down to my bones. But you fought it. Yes. So Ares didn't get the demonstration he wanted. No. And how'd he respond to that? She chopsticks up a wonton. Not well, and tosses it in her mouth. Yeah, I mean, you gotta imagine. And you'd be right, she says, still chewing. He sulked, ranted a bit about what an honor it was for me to carry his blood, what a disappointment I was, so much promise, yada yada... Then he punched a hole in the wall, kicked the door off its hinges, and stormed off. Classy. All the way. Hell of a welcome to the family. How did you cope? I ask. Fine, eventually. But it took a while to process. I admit after that first night, I went on a hell of a bender. Sounds about right, I say. You too, bender? One person's bender is another's Wednesday night, but basically, yeah. 
I kinda thought so, she grins. Meaning? No offense, she reassures me. It's just, I get a sense about people. Maybe it's intuition, maybe training, bit of both. But you, my friend, are an altered states kinda guy. So we're friends now. Sure, why not? But that wasn't a denial. No, it wasn't. She smiles and claims another wonton. I'm not judging, she clarifies, gesturing with the pincered dumpling. I've had more than my share of wasted nights and hazy mornings, and it's not like I had some sort of rock-bottom come-to-Jesus moment where I vowed to turn my life around. Nothing like that. Mostly, I just learned to accept the fucked-up truth of my life. I'm a war god's daughter, a bubbling cauldron of fucking carnage waiting to boil over every minute of every goddamn day. Can't drink that away. You haven't tried Odin's special brew, I joke, as her wonton finally reaches the end of its time as a punctuation mark and makes its way into her mouth. And even as I listen to her harrowing tale, with genuine interest and compassion, mind you, I am still trying very hard not to dwell on her mouth, or any particular part of her anatomy, for that matter. Just the eyes, Alex, focused on her eyes. Her stunning, hypnotic eyes, full of restless intelligence, mischief, and the promise of... Oh, for fuck's sake, Cassander. Get a hold of yourself. Yeah, just stick to the eyes. <laughs> Good call. For the next few minutes, we both turn our attention to the food. Soon there's nothing left in front of us but empty plates. We settle up and head back to the station in the Maserati. So, this is nice, she says as we drive. The car, I mean. Can't complain, I agree. I'm not one to look a gift Hermes in the mouth. Ah! She nods, smiling. Of course it was him. You know, after dear old dad introduced himself, I didn't hear shit for weeks. Some mornings when I was still half asleep, for just a second, I'd think the whole thing was some crazy dream. Then I'd remember the club, the dead, my friend. I was a mess. Like I said, bit of a bender. Then one morning, Hermes knocked on my door. He helped me understand a little bit. At least he made me feel like I wasn't losing my mind. Out of all of them, he's the least... them. Good to know. As we pull up in front of the station, she asks, You okay with an early start tomorrow? Yeah, sounds good. Earlier the better. Fewer bodies on the scene, more access. Pick you up at 5.30? It's a date, I flash my best charming grin. No, it's not. See you in the morning. This has been The Gods We Belong To, Chapter 3. The Gods We Belong To is written, performed, edited, and produced by Dan Goldstein. Theme music is... I'll Drive by Daniel Birch. Additional music In Pursuit of Silence Golden Bunny Caught in the Crossfire The Elevator Game 
glass bells dancing with a synthesizer, Rise of the Phosphor, and Roaming the Streets at Night by Daniel Birch. Online at danielbirchmusic.com Our spectacular episode art by the talented and beautiful Jen Goldstein. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and help spread the word. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, post, tweet, drop Gods We Belong to promotional flyers from a hot air balloon or blimp. Five-star ratings are particularly helpful and appreciated. However you do it, thank you. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Gods We Belong To. Find episodes and more at thegodswebelongto.net. Episode 4 is coming in just one week. So, until then, don't do anything Alex would